important people. Let's see if there's a glitch in the matrix here. That's right. It's gonna be fine. I just saw that fine. black cat. Again. It's uh, what is it? Uh, deja vu all over again. Mm. You know, there's deja vu, and then there's the lesser known vujade. 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 Vujade is the uh, the intense feeling that this has never happened before. I feel that all the time. I do too. Hmm. I'm not sure exactly how to feel about that. I don't think I've ever had that feeling before. Nope. <gasps> did I just have it? I think you just did. I think I just. I think I just had it. It just happened. Hello and welcome to Geeks Camp, the home of RPG goodness and general tomfoolery. My name is Zach, and the hosts joining me this evening are the Dwarven DM, John Christian. Lolly Ho. And the Dapper DM, Troy Sandler. What's up? There you go. Good, like, turn of the century callback. <laughs> yeah, I reach back. <laughs> yeah. I figure, I figure if uh, John can reach back to the whole Lolly Ho thing, I can do uh... a. Hey, it's still relevant, man. Is it? Okay, is it? it's still relevant. Yeah, Final are, Fantasy are the, XIV. Are the so, kids saying it th- these days? The, that's what the kids are the saying these days. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's right. Mm-hmm. So, fellas, uh, as we sit here and uh, reminisce of yesteryears, um, let's, remini- let's keep reminiscing about this week. Uh, what has gone on in the news, if anything, you want oh, to talk oh, about me, 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 me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me, 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 me. I've been waiting for this one. Yeah, yeah. The updated UA for uh, cr- the Heroes of Cran came out this week, Aww. and uh, woohoo! The Kinder don't suck anymore. I oh. didn't want to say it that, but that bluntly last time. But man, the Kinder really pissed me off in that first UA. Yeah. John is for for podcast listeners. John is beaming. Like yes, there's a there's a, uh, there's a there's a glow. Oh. Yeah, uh, a golden, a golden uh, cherubic aspect yep. to his face. If I had a top knot, uh, it would be a wiggling, and if I had a hoop pack, it would be a spinning. So, dee 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 dee. What the hell? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I'm just trying to. I'm channeling my inner Kinder. Yeah. I'm yeah. prepping it for whenever I'm playing it at the table. Yeah. yeah. I'm taking it back. I'm taking it back. Mm. Yeah. yeah uh, so the 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 new uh, the updated UA came out, and the highlights that I wrote down in my my bullet list here try to keep it pretty succinct. Uh, new iteration of the Kinder. They got a mm-hmm. quote unquote mixed response on it. Uh, I think people were. I'm hoping that the right people were super pissed about them trying to go Feywild and all this other silly nonsense. But whatever. But they went back to the basics, is what they said. And they gave us something that was more akin to what we are used to from uh, D&D past, AD&D in particular. Uh, they've removed all, any mentions of the Feywild and magical abilities, and they're just inherent to the to the class, they, or the race. They also did talk a little bit more in, in the UA about the actual, like the lore of Kryn and how it dovetails with the Salamic Knights and with the Kinder and where the origins of the Kinder came from and things like that too, so mm. I, which was nice. Uh, let's see. They tweaked some of the feats from the prior article. They tweaked some of the backgrounds a bit. Really small, minor adjustments to the Salamnic Knights. They kept the feet in the background for both Salamnic Knights and the uh, the mages. But the big one that I noticed is there's a brand new rule giving a list of free feats for any background. Yeah. Any background. And... Yeah. 
there's a free feat for level four characters as well. So you'll get one at first and fourth level, no matter what in Kryn. Uh, there, uh, there. I'm, 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 I'm cool with that. I'm fine with it too, right? Like, if, especially if they're going to keep it like encapsulated within, uh, within Dragonlance. I think it's going to be hard to excuse it if it spreads. Well, you know, if they, if, like, mm. you're going to have so many people like, well, they're going, you're going to have that. Well, if Dragonlance characters could do it, why can't I do it too? Well, you can. You can do it at your table, but that doesn't necessarily mean right. that it's adopted into other core materials for Eberron, Forgotten Realms, I mean, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, you can do it too, but again, you know, what's official? Yeah. I think what what always kind of, what, it's not a, I don't mind either way, honestly. I'm not, I'm not super upset about multiple feats at the very beginning, but it does seem odd to me because I always took Dragonlance as more of a lower magic setting. More like feats, a, are, feats are not magical. Well, I'm sorry, I mean by lower magic setting, I'm also talking like well, uh, uh, in regards to scale also, like a lower powered setting. Uh, oh, and so, I see. Yeah, so it, it's it's just really weird that there's, and there's a really front loaded. If it's only first and fourth levels to get feats at mm-hmm. the very beginning, that's a super front loaded power. Well, it's, it's because if you didn't, then every person and their mom is going to be like, well, I guess I'll take one of these two new feet backgrounds right. because they're the only ones that get feet. They're so much no, better. But now it's you, like, it seems, hey. it seems like a cheese, though, that like the, the they tried something new in it with the background or with the Salamnet Knights or with yeah. the, these two things. So in order, in order to do it, we have to shoehorn in this other bit to yeah. keep other people from being upset. Yeah, I, I like, I like when a setting has some weird tweaks. Yeah. So yeah. that to me, it's like, and, and and you may be right about the power. You probably are right about the power levels of Dragonlance characters in general being typically lower. But to me, it's like, oh, this gives me a reason to, if, as I, uh, let me rephrase that. If I am a player in multiple games, now mm-hmm. Dragonlance is going to feel different, right? For those low levels. And mm-hmm. that's cool. Right. Um, sure. So, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I just see this is the first step towards the, the dreaded power creep. Mm. You no, know, it you know, first of many. Like, yeah, for, yeah, sure. first of many. Well, they said it explicitly whenever they were talking about the next iteration, whatever the t- 2024 yeah. is, that you're going to expect a power creep. There but will I, be yeah. and there will be a marked difference in power between one versus the other. Yeah, <laughs> there and their their comment of. You know the the player characters will be be more powerful, and so will the monsters. That mm-hmm. so okay so oh net wash, yeah it's a net wash. So that mm-hmm. doesn't mean anything other than if you're playing a character from just five e, they're going to be weaker. Yep. Mm-hmm. and that's, that's all because it's not fully compatible. Uh, it's compatible, saying. but but sucky. Yeah. Now, uh, I, is there anything else? Go ahead. Well, I was gonna say I the the Kinder stuff to me, was a pretty good half to three-quarter step to mm. getting there. Because mm. I did not I did not like the magical stuff. I did not like the Feywild stuff. But I did like the idea of taking the, uh, the fact that Kinder are sticky-fingered out of the player's hands. Mm. That it just kind of happens. Mm-hmm. I liked it because that was the complaint when Kinder were originally introduced in the game 
it became, well, now all these players that play Kinder have an excuse to be wang rods and steal crap from everybody. Mm-hmm. And it just caused inter-party conflict and was annoying and this and that. But it's such a cool part of the books that it still needs to be there. So it's like, why couldn't you just do a... It doesn't have to be a magical effect. It's if you're in a certain area or you're doing something or roll on this table, did you did you nick something? I love the... I was thinking about that a little bit this week and I was like, in a more ballsy RPG... It would not be, oh, you just happen to have a crowbar, right? Yeah. Like, it would be a, your party, all your party members roll on a table every long rest. And if anyone rolls a one, a random wow. item from their character sheet <laughs> goes to you. Exactly. And, and see, that's to me, that's perfect. Because, you know, it would just be a role-playing mechanism at that point where it's like, you know, Bob, the champion fighter, goes to grab where'd my his holy magic. Avenger. Go, yeah. It's like, where's my? Where's my? Well, it's funny that you mentioned that because now that I've I've sunk deeper and deeper into the nine hells that are Twitter, uh, one of the good things that's come from it is Margaret Weiss is, is actually a lot more vocal in Twitter than I had expected. Oh yeah, and uh, so one of the things that came up from that was. She, at her tables in the past, what she would do is she and the DM would kind of be in cahoots with one another another to a degree where the DM would say, here are 10 things that everyone else has in their pockets. Or they have like these 10 things on the the other players. And at some point during the game, you know, like you're just like whenever they need it, you just hand it to them. Exactly. It's not it's not about them you having it and holding on to it and being a, a douche about it. Yeah. It's like, it's just part of the narrative and like, yep. but you know what those 10 things are at all times. Mm. And you can say, Oh, well that's, I, I'm sorry. I, you must've dropped this. And then you can do that. And then that way there's no, it's, it's very kinder. Like it's like, it's they're being helpful. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. And that's yeah. why you, you take it out of, you take it out of those Wang Rod's hands and you make it a story element that way. And it's like, you, you could, you know, or even do it on a chart. It's like, Oh, that thing that you were just looking for? You can't find it. Look over to the kinder players mm-hmm. like Oh, uh it's here it is. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um Yep. You dro- yeah, like you said, you, you must have dropped it or I picked it up for you so you wouldn't forget it. Yeah. I <laughs> think there that- needs to be a, a an entire if not a section, there's got to be something on the DM's guild soon ish oh. trademark that is like kinder guidance. Or let's yes. uh, like guidance on on role playing Kinder and not being a douche nozzle about it. Yes, yes. You you, you said uh, ish soonish. I got to tell the story real quick and then we can do something else. But uh, the story got stuck. Um, there was a um, a vape shop in uh, my old hometown, and uh, they came into our signs and graphics store. They said we want our hours to say nine to five. Like, great, on their door. Great, cool. And they said, well, what we really wanted to say is nine-ish to five-ish. <laughs> so that's what we did. And then it, the next year, they had peeled off the nine and the five. So it just said, blah, 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 ish to ish. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. And I, I, I was like, that tells you everything you need to know. Right? It like, does. It really does. Yeah. It really does. <laughs> um. I've got a couple things, but Troy, do you have anything uh, news-wise? Uh, only that thing that I showed you earlier. That's right. Yeah. Maybe we'll do a whole video on that thing. 
Okay, I'm I'm just gonna I'm going to do a little sneak. Yeah, just yeah, a little yeah. sneak. For, for, for the for the viewing audience. For the, yeah. for the viewing audience, I'm gonna I'm <gasps> Gasp. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's all you get. I'll just I'll do a free yeah, So if you weren't viewing and you're listening to this at home or on a podcast, then Yeah, that's right. You're missing you out. Yeah. You, you gotta check out the Twitch stream sometime. Or the YouTube. Uh, I guess it's, I don't know if it's on YouTube yet. Uh, all right. So let's keep it going here. I got in alien colony war, which is a novel in the alien, uh, universe. Um, it came out for alien day, which is today, Tuesday, the 26th. And, uh, in the back of this book, why I'm bringing it up now, I guess it's geek. We're geeks can't. So I could have talked about this book even anything you want to, man. That's right. Uh, but I haven't read it yet, so I don't know if. But in the back of it, there is a we'll call it like an an epilogue or a sequel adventure for the book that is written in the same style and everything as if it's for the Alien RPG, mm-hmm. and it's written in that form. Like it doesn't feel like all oh, this person kind of half-assed a module at the end of this. Like, no, it's really there. Yeah, there's even a map and all sorts of things. Um. All the icons from the other adventures are still in there, like the key and legend and things. Um, and it is a one-act little story that you can run. Uh, and I'm super okay. excited about that because the starter set is a three-act uh, story. So I'm excited about this because this is a smaller, condensed adventure that I plan on prepping and having in my back pocket for one-shots and things. That's cool. And you've got like a ton of content. I'm assuming that they dovetail with one another perfectly. So there's like tons and tons of context that you've already gained as the DM by being entertained by By reading the book. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's very awesome. Dovetails. Yep. That's cool. Um, So that's thing one. Thing two. Uh, Actually, I'll post links to these in chat while I'm at it. So that's uh, really smart. I'm sorry. I'm stuck on that. That's really, really smart. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that got announced uh, this week uh, was from Modiphius, and so I thought I'd bring that up uh, today. They announced a new line called Cohors Cthulhu. Did you guys see this? No, I did not. <laughs> it is uh, the Roman Empire meets the Call of Cthulhu mythos. <laughs> so, oh, like cool. their Akjung Cthulhu, only this yeah. is Cohors Cthulhu, different cool. point in time. Uh, so, it is multiple things. First and foremost, it's a cinematic RPG RPG driven by the 2D20 system. Um, uh, and then, uh, it is also a narrative war game designed to be played solo and cooperatively. Um so there is a there is their tactics game there, and then there will be a complete miniatures line uh, as well. And then finally, there is going to be a novel and an anthology of short stories uh, set in this universe. Wow! All in. That's pretty yeah. cool. That's slick. I like that. Kind of funky, right? Like I've known about this for a little while, but the official announcement just went live, and I I really like. Um, the idea of going going someplace different, right? Yeah, this is cool that it's Rome, but it's not Rome as we know it either. The magic exists available through belief and prayer and capricious gods. 
Mm-hmm. Behind the clash of mortals is a greater conflict between the vast and malevolent powers competing to either subjugate humanity or shape its civilizations to suit their own sinister agendas. That is slick. I like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. I like that. Very cool. Yes, mighty warriors of Rome and their barbarian foes join forces to battle nameless horrors from beyond space and time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always, I always dig uh, a story where there are two. Uh, there are two elements that are fighting one another and trying to kill each other. And then the bigger, uglier, nasty uh, crawls out of a hole mm-hmm. and not just like from, for a noble pursuit that we are, it's just sheer survival. Now we have to stop everything yeah, that we're doing, killing each other. We're no longer c- concerned whatsoever with our previous uh, bigotries or, or prejudices. I like yeah. that. That's cool. It's, it's the watchman. That's right. Mm-hmm. I am pretty excited about this. I don't know if I'll play it yet in the sense that I have many, many things on my list of things to play, <laughs> but uh, I could see myself giving it a go. Um, uh, especially, you know, if, if, if I have a group that is super into uh, Roman mythology, I think this could be a great way to kind of conjoin that. Mm-hmm. Anyhow. All right. Uh, well, those are our news topics for today. I think now we can settle in, refill our cups, and get ready for the main topic of druids. Enter a world steeped in mythos and saturated with strife. Mayan Epics, the Twin Gods Apocalypse from World of Game Design, offers an explosive and primal play experience unlike any other. Travel amid rough jungle paths, swim through hallowed cenotes, and skirt against the underworld itself in the last days of a civilization on the brink of apocalypse. The days are numbered, and the dangers are real. It's a race against the calendar as you take advantage of the Mayan peculiarities of time, ritual magic, and the will of the gods to satisfy the great imbalance of this or any age. Inspired by the historical civilization of ancient Maya, Twin Gods Apocalypse contains an entire system-neutral setting filled with wonders of the natural world, the heavens above, and the underworld down below. Available now at store.wogd.com, and there's a link in the show notes. All right, so let's 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 do this thing. Um, let's do this, druids. So so so. All right. So preemptively, I want to before we get too heavy, uh, we. We want to talk about the fact that this this series is really called uh, dissecting classes, um, and it is not meant to be a overarching. Here's how to play a druid, um, or here's what the druid class is. It's really about how can we look at this at different ways. What's some fun things that we can bring into the druid? Um, that may mean that we bend the rules a little bit. That may mean that we reinterpret or reskin things at times. It could just mean that we we ask you to look at something in a little bit different light, or we we have found some interesting thing combinations that uh, 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 help you out there. So it's really for I, I I started thinking about this series as more like so you've played a druid. Here's how to play a different one, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, 
almost like an advanced advanced is the wrong word an alternate discussion on druid right there you go for when you've had for when you've watched the 50 million videos on every single class that are on youtube and you know all there is to know about how to play a circle of the moon druid come and watch this video and we'll tell you about something different right or this podcast whatever yeah Mm -hmm. so these can be a little bit haphazard but that's fine and um I think uh, I think we should just dive right in. So, who has? And I, I I've got a bunch. Maybe I'll just throw one out here to start us off with, um, and then we we'll just throw out ideas as as you guys have them uh, for how to make a druid weird. I'll start with something simple. Um, I'm thinking about the druid. I'm like, what is, at base level could you do just to like tweak things a little bit or change your mindset oh, on the druid a little bit? Right. That's easy. You want to play a different kind of druid? Don't play Circle of the Moon. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's kind of all you have to do is just stop being the fuzzy bear all the time. Do something. <laughs> do something different. That's right. I I was gonna say, and this is maybe something that you might want to collaborate with your DM a little bit on, but um, you know, as what, one of my favorite things about playing a wizard intent to an upcoming series upcoming <laughs> chat but one of my favorite things about playing a wizard is the idea of collecting spells spell scrolls to put in your book mm-hmm. right and every time you open up a chest and you're like oh there's a tube you're like oh, is that a spell i see there right and you get out your quill and ink you start like wetting it uh already um i like the idea of the same collector mentality for a druid and their wild shape aspects. And if I if if I was going to play a druid, one of the things that I would do, and if I have done this for my druid players, is I really try to think about like, all right, yeah, 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 you can play a beast, sure. Like you can you can wild shape into a beast, and you can keep track of that and collect the beast, cool. But also, let's find some really weird stuff for you to shift into, or some very flavorful stuff for you to shift into. Yeah. Um, and the idea of collecting weird shapes that still make sense. It's not like, oh, I can shift into an illithid. I don't know. That's silly. Maybe. But maybe you could shift into a boulet. Or you could shift into a... Goes from beasts to monstrosities. Yeah. 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 Go from beast to monstrosities. Uh, you know, plants. What, you know, no reason sure. why we could do that. Elementals. Um that's going to be cool. Like there's a lot of cool creatures that you could add to the list. And I think, um, it, I think at this point, if I was going to have a five E druid, not only would I have, you can Pokemon, you can collect them all. Right. But also, um, I would give a spreadsheet to my druid player and say, if you collect one of every elemental type of shifts, I'll give you this feat like the elemental adept feat or whatever it is. Oh, there right? you go. Mm-hmm. So it, you know, it makes them cool and exciting to like fill out a, a, a channel full of things and really work at it. Yeah. yeah I like that. I think yeah. I, I, I had something that was an idea that was a little bit in parallel to yours. And it, mine was more along the lines of, we think of Druids as agents native to the setting that they're in. But I think one that would be really interesting is doing like a far realm druid. Yes. One that is yes. like an aberrant mind or an aberrant druid that is 
they're shape shifting into things that they are native to where they're from. Yeah. The things that they've seen. And so things with tentacles and 50,000 eyes and a hundred mouths with, a you know, Yankee, Druid. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, something I had, like that. Right. But that's yeah, me twist that spin that puts it on its head. There's yeah. still a Druid, but you have to, there's some, their nature is to, different than our nature. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. And their, their exactly. nature is less primal power and more psionic power. Uh, it's, to it though. It's hilarious that you said that because I wrote down several notes on this very thing. I said, Really, you could use the circle of stars for that mm. and get a lot of good flavor that way that you don't yeah. have to rebrand, right? You don't have to reskin. And then I even wrote down some spell ideas because the biggest thing about playing a different type of druid is how do I navigate the druid spell list? Well, let me help you. Uh, I like low level spells like frostbite and earth trimmer and hold person mm. for this eldritch druid, right? And then at higher levels, things like Dominate Beast, Plane Shift, and my absolute favorite, Awaken. Oh, yes. oh yeah. Wouldn't that be great flavor as an Eldritch? Like, you're this Eldritch Druid that, like, touches the mind, the, like, the temple of a grizzly. And mm -hmm. now it's like, yes, it's Awakened, but it, like, its tongue speaks in the language of the deep space, right? And just like, <laughs> right? Like, what that mean? Like, well, like that bear on, um, you know that bear on Annihilation, right? Have you guys watched that movie Annihilation, right? And oh, there's yeah. The, yeah. the bear that screams, mm -hmm. like that, that to me, it's it nice. would be a great. Uh, well, and you can even take it. Like, I actually like your spin the simplified way of doing that is using the, uh, the the circle of stars. Yeah. And what you what I would do is you take the starry forms, and, yeah. you, the, and you make either additional ones or you reskin the archer, oh. chalice, and dragon into yeah. the 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 thing with a million eyes or whatever, right? In yep. order to fit that, yep. but a six word a six word name, right? That's right. yeah, right. the thing that the thing that screams in the void or whatever, right? Like right. Exactly, and then the, your the animals that you could tr you could transform into, they all there's always something that's bizarre or askew about them, or like they're inside out, right? Like their their insides are on their outside, or, or they're crawling just, like. Just give them a tentacle attack for everything that you chase it into. <laughs> yes, where did like, that tentacle, tentacle come from? I don't yeah. want to know. I don't want to know. I don't want to yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. No. exactly. No. Yeah, yeah I, I like that. I, li I like that a lot, actually. That's that seems like that would be a, a, a lot of fun to play. And to the point, again, there are two different paths you can take with it. There's either the go custom and build something either from scratch, or you can just kind of like put it up on the put something on the blocks and rebuild, or you can go circle the stars or something like that and just do a different flavor spin on it. And I it makes it, it yeah. a completely different animal. Pun just tweak intention. Pun intention. intended. Just tweaking. All you got to do is this class is so mm -hmm. ripe for tweaking. And just like you said, reflavoring, reskinning. Because, like, like you said, Pokemon got to catch them all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Why not do it that way? Because that's one of the things I don't like about the Druid class. Oh, you can turn into whatever animal you've seen. You've seen, yeah. Oh, I mean, mm -hmm. you just have to see it. Really? That's it's that easy. Shouldn't you have to go and interact with it in some way, or defeat it in combat, or make it your friend, or you know something? Mm -hmm. You have to interact with it to understand because. I don't know how many times I have had people sit at my table and go, pull out a book. 
and go, there, I seen this this animal. Or, it's like, or, or hey, you no. enter Waterdeep, what do you want to do? I want to go to a zoo. Is there I want to go, exactly. go to the zoo. It's like, yeah. seriously. But I, you, you, do, you do the idea of, of got to catch them all, and instead of your shape-shifting, what if you're trading places, kind of almost like summoning the creature? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And instead of you becoming this creature, you've swapped places for a minute because, you know, you, you shape-shifted, yeah. you have all the abilities and, and mm-hmm. mental acuity and all that stuff, so you're just there yeah, now, yeah. and you swap you know, different things to make it more unique because, yeah, the, the idea of, oh, I've just seen it so I can change into it, boring. I had a couple of things written down just for you, Troy. Um, oh. I, I thought about, like, all right, so how do we take this in a different direction? And so I wrote down two ideas that came to me for an Eberron druid. Um, so the no-brainer one is the Circle of Dreams Kalashtar. Oh, yeah. Um, but you could go really dark with it and have, you know, uh, the Circle of Dreams be a haunting from the Dreaming Dark, right? Um, and so, like, if you wanted to do, like, a darker version of a druid, you could have someone who is, like, who is somewhat mildly possessed by this weird realm of Korai spirits and things. Possessed or cursed. Cursed, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that could be weird. And then the other one that I thought was great, um, it, it, you could do this with, a, if you had an undead, like a revenant or something race, you could do it there too. But I love the idea of a spore druid warforged um, mm. because they don't shape shift, right? And they just have all these like molds and spores that kill life around them. So another like, I, I think it'd be really fun as like an evil... Uh, Warforged uh, that is attacking your party or whatnot, but also if you want to play a character that's again a little bit dark, like a Warforged that has found a symbiotic relationship with these sp- flesh eating spores and molds is yeah. a great uh, is a great feel. Because yeah, the Warforged is like yeah, I don't care. It's not gonna hurt me. That's it right. Sucks, yeah. sucks to be you guys, but it's not gonna, I'm okay. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, I like the different, all these different flavors of druid. And even if you go the whole, you know, the, a Warforged druid that when you turn into an animal is more mechanical, you know, like the whole transformer thing, that's cool. That's, that's kind of fun and flavorful and would really freak people out when they see a, you know, a metal tiger come running at them. Yeah. But imagine a world though, where, the Warforged, the Spore Druid Warforged, if he wants to shapeshift into anything, he has to carry around the carcass of that animal, and it's not like a shapeshift into a living animal. It's like the spores like parasitically infect the and animate the corpse. And so he's like, I want to transform into a hawk. I've got this hawk that I carry around on my back. <laughs> or you, it's or, like or, a, yes. half the feathers are missing, and like there's there's flies living inside of it, like 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 maggots and things. Uh, oh yeah, that's, can that's you tell happened. that Zach has been so writing a lot of Morph Borg lately? Yeah, that's yeah right. Really that's right. <laughs> um, speak, you know, Spore Druid. You could even reflavor this as more like, you know, not a Druid, but an actual Necromancer. Yeah, and yeah. and and play it in that aspect. Maybe a slightly less annoying. Necromancer. Necromancer, yeah. 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 And Craig is saying you can just make Oscar the Grouch as your sport druid. That's true. Um, which is another, yeah. A trash druid is trash uh, druid. 
Yeah. Ding yeah. dong, you're wrong. <laughs> so uh, I took the, I, I like the idea of the collecting them all and it, the engaging with whatever the creature is. It made me think back to my my old MMORPG days in Final Fantasy XI, and there was one way that the way that you would get your summons uh, was that you had to engage with a creature of that type and defeat it in battle, or there were different items that you would find. So it's not like it was a single path for every single mm-hmm. thing. So you could it could be quest based. Like if there's like a, a little side quest that, you, or if like a solo thing that you and your DM can do, like no one showed up to the game today, no big deal. Let's do the druid showed up and somebody else showed up. Let's go and we'll do a side quest uh, as an intermission here, and we'll do a quick uh, sidebar, and we'll you'll find carbuncle or a fire spirit or something like that that you can then transform into or that you could end up summoning. Yeah, 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 yeah. A uh, couple other small ideas that I had. Um, so. We all know this idea of, and and I think Sage Advice has kind of nixed it somewhat, but like the idea that druids can't wear certain types of armor because they can't wear metal, right? Mm-hmm. And and Sage Advice has basically came out and said, yeah, that's just really flavor. You can wear whatever metal, whatever armor you want. And I think at most tables, we just say, oh, you can have plate, but it's made out of bone or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or it works. Wood yeah. or whatever. Yeah. 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 I, I would say like a cool challenge that you could do that could again give you something to hunt for and collect is to live by the metal bane and say no i don't want custom items and i don't want something like that if i'm going to have those higher level armors i'm going to have to get something that's special like like the dragon scale mail right Mm -hmm. or um the spiked armor from uh skag and you could you could have like you know because it doesn't say what the spikes are made out of, so you could have like bone spiked armor or whatever. Right. Um, yeah. Um, on your studded leather or whatever, right? Um, I like the idea that like you say, no, I don't want a custom item. I want to have to seek out the types of non-metal, magical or super rare material mm-hmm. stuff. This is where I'll harken back though to that great Hammond's haversack book. Yeah, uh, yeah, from the DM Guild or drives, yep. yeah, drives, DM Guild, where you can, you know, crafting your own armor sounds very druidy, right? Where you have to like hunt down these pieces. But I think again, like if you embraced some of the restrictions and actually held them as restrictions, as opposed to yeah, uh, things to be quickly maneuvered around, then I think there's some fun. Uh, maybe not role play is the wrong word, but there's some. There's some fun gaming aspects that you could discover through just a little bit of work there. We've we've said that before, though that they're that restrictions are good. They can yes, they can be really really good, and they can challenge players to play differently. They can challenge DMs to run differently, and the, the those the creative confines. It's like the life has to find a way, and so you come up with these really ingenious ideas that that just add more flavor to the game and make it more interesting and not the same exact fantasy tropes over and over and over again so the restrictions i think i think the restrictions are important restrictions restrictions fuel creativity Mm -hmm. yeah and and you know if you're just going to leave the book wide open it's it's more like a a paralysis of analysis type thing where it's like Mm -hmm. oh there's so many things to choose from you, you automatically you go for the option. optimal every time, and that makes yeah, you the same you, as you, everybody else. You and, go for the yeah. moon druid, and it's like, oh, yay, another yeah. one. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. 
I have a, a, a couple other tiny things, a couple name changes. So if, uh, if you, it, maybe it's the title druid that's hanging you up and you don't mind the nature bend, but you want, um, you want a little bit different feel. Uh, I think that you could easily, without much tweaking to some of these classes, you could call this a shaman or a witch. Yep. Yes, or even a warden. Or a warden, yeah. 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 Like the, the circle of fire, the circle of flame, whatever it's called. Like, I could see that as a shaman. Yep, yes. Um, uh, and then, you know, you kind of bend it all that way, and you tell your DM, look, just from a perspective of wanting it to feel different, let's just, let if we can, let's not call my character Drew, let's call him a shaman. And that'll inform how I play, and that'll help the other players think about my character in a different light as well. Um, I think I, that would be, yeah. I love that because what a lot of people, a lot of players, a lot of DMs even kind of overlook is you know that that name at the top of the character class description. Yeah. That doesn't have to be what you call your character. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. like you, you might be just a champion fighter, but nope, I'm a knight. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like mm-hmm. okay, that, then you're a knight, and, yeah. and that, that's all you need. So yeah, shaman that that's perfect because people have been clamoring for a shaman class. I, I think it's pretty much since Five E was yeah. came out. It's like you don't. Would it you be could. nice to have one? Maybe it'd be yeah, nice yeah. to have one. Maybe, but yeah, you yeah. don't need one. You could you could you could make it work with a lot of this. Circle of the Shepherd is also a pretty decent yes. one. Circle of the Land could work really well for a witch. So could Circle of the Shepherd. Um, um, there's a lot of Circle of Dreams could work great for a witch. Um, it's already Fey themed, mm-hmm. so you're you're halfway there. Um, just it'd be a good witch probably because they have abilities that be kind of Glenda. nice aligned. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I am. Um a call back to one of our first several shows when we talk about uh, Edgar, the, the knight who uh, it was like the linchpin character when he died, I got with that ca- that player later on. And after the, the game was starting to fizzle, the idea was like, well, if there were a way for us to, to, to bring Edgar back beyond, outside of just resurrection, what would that look like? And, I, and so what we came up with was very, very similar to the circle of, we used essentially a circle of the land druid would, would, would have been what he came back as because the Lord and the land are one was this mm-hmm. thing that was like a recurring theme. Oh, that's very within the story. Yeah. So when he returned, he returned as this like antlered knight yes. that was, yeah. that was yeah. one with the yeah. land because yeah. he shed his blood on it. And, and so that was, we that's had geared great. it up towards that. And I think it would have been phenomenal to go in that direction. I, that's something that's not your traditional vibe for a druid, which is usually yeah. decked in furs and, you know, warm, yeah. fuddly uh, uh, feelings towards uh, animals and stuff like that. This was more of like a, a, a Lord or a kingship, like a, a, a like a noble uh, character instead. Like the nature cleric, right? Sometimes that mm-hmm. takes in there. There's also a uh, paladin, uh, Order of the Ancients, um, that yeah. is sometimes that way. But yeah, yeah, absolutely, you could do a druid that way um, and get some good flavor. Oh, yeah. yeah, definitely. And they don't all have to be like Radagast, you know, yeah, is, exactly. is, is what we're saying. I mean, how many times have you had somebody come to your table and, oh, you have a pot-smoking hippie druid? Oh, another one. Great. Mm-hmm. They, druids can be, it, it's kind of like, 
you know, the idea of the paladin, you know, back in the day when they were supposed to be lawful good to be a paladin, lawful good doesn't mean you're stupid, Mm -hmm. right? You can, you can still be Mm -hmm. vicious and -hmm. still be lawful good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that, that's a perfect segue. And so I'm going to, I'm going to jump on it. Um, uh, the the other thing that I had for this episode was uh, I would like to present you with, and I may have mentioned this in a pre- an early, early episode, but my absolute favorite blog post on D&D ever is about druids. And so mm. we gotta, we got we to gotta utilize it um, a little bit here uh, because it's about looking at druids in different ways. The article is actually called Seven Myths Everyone Believes About Druids. Um, and uh, it breaks some of the conceptions that you guys were just talking about, about about them uh, all looking like Radagast or whatnot, right? Uh, so if it's all right with you fellows, what I'd like to do is just read the intro to this, mm-hmm. and then maybe we can post the whole thing in the show notes. And Troy, yeah. there's actually a, uh, a podcast that reads, that, that has read this blog entry aloud, and he's probably going to do a way better job at it than I am. So... You can do whatever you want to, but it might be cool to like cut in and splice it so you don't have to hear my stupid voice. You can hear <laughs> this guy. But here, um, let me read to you uh, a couple paragraphs here that are um, the first, the introduction to um, seven myths everyone believes about druids. This is uh, originally posted on the Goblin Punch blog. Listen, you got it all wrong. Frequently, the picture you see of a druid is some green-haired boy scout cavorting atop a white wolf or gazing soulfully into the eyes of a moose. They're depicted as serene bringers of balance and peace who live in harmony with all life. Nope. No. Nine. Druids are creatures possessed by the cold spirit of nature. Druids love natural spaces. It's even fair to say that druids feed on them. They feed on the snow that falls on ancient pines. They feed on the weevils gnawing on roots. They feed on the hunger in a wolf's belly. Because these things are natural, they are good, for at least one definition of good. Then what is bad in the eyes of a druid? Why, all the things that destroy the natural order. Rationality. Math. Druids hate math. Language, money, metallurgy, fur trappers, philosophy. The philosophy of a druid is no philosophy. And true, druids do use language to talk amongst themselves, but it's always tinged with a bit of self-loathing for this reason. A reminder of their distance from nature and from what is good. Nature is red in tooth and claw. Nature is hungry and rapacious. Nature is self-absorbed. Does a panther care about anything beyond its own well-being? And because these things are nature, they are also druids. Every druid's dream in life is to become a giant grizzly bear, fat and unchallenged. And then from there, the article goes down to the seven things that we all believe about druids, but are wrong. Nice. That's cool. Uh, this is this is the way I love druids. Um, the idea that that word that says or that line that says they feed on the snow that falls on ancient pines. They feed on the hunger of a wolf's belly. Um, there's a line later. It talks about how druids are naked 
covered in blood running through the forest, um, just feral, right? As mm-hmm. feral as they can be, as distant from civilization as is possible for a human. Like, that's that's a weird, you know, it's not that tree-hugging mentality. It's, yeah, it's something yeah. way more feral and... Or even alien. Vicious. Yeah, or alien, yeah. Well, alien to the human mind, right? It's just it's it doesn't the the on the Venn diagram of of something that's so primal and so raw, it just doesn't it doesn't sync with the, with the think of a, of a thinking of men. Yeah, yep. yeah. I, I I think to me, like that's a druid that I haven't seen at my table yet, right? Um, and that's so when we talk about different ways of looking at a druid, I see druids. Almost every druid that I see is true neutral uh, in alignment or something very close to that. And very like had a druid. One of the druids in my long campaigns was very uh, almost pacifist. Uh, 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 another one was very like attuned to nature in a very like. You know, like they said at the beginning of this, gazing soulfully into the eyes of a moose, right? Um, <laughs> that's right. And it stares back at you in the same way. You know it. You can you can oh, see it. You, you feel it. Moose does nothing but stare soulfully, right? Um, I don't think you've been charged at by a moose yet. Sir. Even, even well, when it's charged, it's gazing. It's, charging. Just, it's, gazing it's like yeah. it's like uh, moose are the, are the the. the uh, Kristen Stewart of the of the uh, nature nature world. Oh, okay. Just, there you go. just gazing soulfully <laughs> off into the distance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The crane crane writes says the world needs more feral, wild, aggressive druids. Yeah, uh, that's that's a great word for it. Aggressive. Um, well, I mean, you could even go. Uh, I, I think back to like my college re- reading uh, the Monkey Wrench Gang gang with like eco terrorism. Like they, mm. they, you want to talk about an aggressive druid? Like, uh, I'd say another good one would be another uh, parallel is Princess Mononoke, mm. right? Like that, she wasn't a druid necessarily, but that same kind of hatred towards, even though she was human, her hatred towards humans for the way that they, the way that they treated the natural world, may, put her at odds with them. Now, granted, we it would go back to that whole, you know, the enemy of my the the enemy of my enemy is my friend is what ended up happening later on in the in the story. But I I like that idea of like the druid is sometimes the hardest person to deal with in the party because their mind is so set upon the wilderness and not on civilization. Yeah, and that yeah. creates really cool narrative opportunities. Well, <clears throat> now that that's something that I have seen at a few tables where they take that hard stance of, you know, civilization is my enemy mm-hmm. kind of a thing. And my opinion is you have to have the right campaign for that to yeah. work. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, sure, otherwise all it does is cause interparty conflict and nothing gets done because you've got the, you've got the one person playing that, you know, we have to go to the city. Well, I'm not going to the city. Or, or, hey, that's fine. No problem. You guys go, but I'll just, I'm not going in. Mm-hmm. All right. That means that this whole little adventure that I got planned for the city, you're not going to be a part. I think if you're going to play a druid and there's going to be any amount of heavy city interaction, 
have like have an NPC show up and say, "Here, you play that while we're Some, in the city." Something. Right? Do because... something because it it's I I think it's reasonable to say you're a druid abhors civilization. I don't think it's reasonable for you to expect your party to stay out of civilization for that reason. And or for you to feel like you have to sit out sessions, just just let's let's give you a secondary character that you can run around in. Mm-hmm. Well, I or mean, you can create you can create like it like character rules about how they interact with things or how they manage those situations where they go into a city. They don't like people at all, so maybe they never go in their humanoid form whenever they're in cities. They're always going as a as a, a dog, cat or, yeah, or a cat. Yeah. Exactly, a cat. Something that can be distant can still be a part of the group and still be there. And if something if something bad happens, an owl, uh, like yeah. or something like that, you know, they yeah. can distance themselves in it, but it still stay inside of the narrative to where they're not completely segregated from it. Yeah, or or yeah. even just you know, like the outsider kind of a thing. Mm. Where people, they look at you and they just, yeah, I'm not talking to that guy. Mm-hmm. You know, they they stay, mm-hmm. you know, which you know, rightfully so. That's what you want because you, you know mm-hmm. you want to role play the, and that, that's something I always caution players against. Anyway, don't play the lone wolf character. Yeah, mm. and that's and that's what this is to me is bordering on. You're playing mm-hmm. the lone wolf. You want to play that? Okay, let's talk about having a one on one campaign because then we can do that. Well, so, and I almost think like. Go ahead. Which is, you know, if if you're going to play, this is one of those where you need to sit down and don't be locked into your character concept because if it doesn't, you know, if you're playing uh, Waterdeep Dragon Heist and you want to play this city-hating druid, you're going to have a probably a miserable time. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it has to fit the campaign. If you all are going to do, if, if you want to do this, kind of sit around and figure out what kind of campaign would be conducive to this if that's what you want to do. Um, otherwise, yeah, you're going to, you're going to, your fun is not going to be paramount and it's also going to hamper other people's fun as well. And it all boils down to that ever popular, well, it's what my character would do. Mm-hmm. And, and that kind of character is tied to that kind of a concept. This is what yeah. my character. Well, and that's a that's I think that's a more of a player type than a character type a lot of the times, right? I think Mitch makes a really good point here about Strider. The, the Strider was um, was in the shadows quite a bit, but the eventually Strider had to come out in the within the first scene. It's not we the, Tolkien didn't spend half the book with with Strider following the hobbits and like being on the sidelines or hiding behind trees and things like that and helping them out along the way he had he he had to step forward at some point or another gosh darn it that's a good statement every character i'm let me back off that because i haven't considered all of them but most of the characters in the fellowship have to bend to fit the mold of the fellowship right Mm -hmm. at some point or another they have to drop the preconception of self or the idea of individualism or the idea of their ancestry or race or whatever. And they have to accept the fact that things are going to be different because they're in a group. But I think what's important about that is that there is a singular direction that they're going and they have a quest. They have a, they have a singular purpose that they can all agree agree on. It's like, all right, my like dwarven en- enmity towards 
elves or uh, yeah. Boromir was the captain. He was the, he was the, like, he was a, like the highest ranking possible official, uh, official within, within Gondor. He laid low his own leadership for the sake of the group because there was a greater threat that was, at, uh, that was at stake. So I think that in those circumstances, you have to take, that's the DM's job to make sure that that is I don't, punctuated. You right? know what? I'm, I'm not even going to say it's the DM's job because I think that like every published adventure that we've got so far, has here's the thing that the group is supposed to go do. Yeah. Right? yeah. yeah. It, 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 and, and the DM presents that and without exception, I think it's a player or two or three or the whole party saying, mm-hmm. oh, but my person mm-hmm. is going to re- resist it in this way or resist it mm-hmm. in part or whatever. And now we're completely off of Druid, but um, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll think of a way to bring us back. But um. Uh, but it's the idea of like my character isn't willing to fully accept or invest themselves in the success of this endeavor at, if it requires giving up any part of self. Right. Right. And that, you know, that is, it's, it's the akin to Gimli, like you were saying uh, with the uh, racial animosity saying, I'm not going to go into Lothlorien. Right. Well, well, I guess Gimli, you're just going to not be a part of the party anymore. That mm-hmm. would be the reality of that, right? Trying to like, roll up a new character. Yeah, um, but he doesn't. He says, this is a thing that no dwarf would really ever do, but gosh darn it, it's more important to me to be a part of this fellowship than to be the true dwarf. Right? Right, and, that, right. and that's exactly what I was getting ready to say. It's like, that a lot of people will, will double down on like what Mitch has just said. My backstory rejects that. Does it? No. This This is a calling. You have been called to do this thing. Your backstory is behind you. That's it's behind you. It's like, this is the forward story. You've been called to do a thing. Are you going to sully your name, your honor, your heritage by saying, oh, I don't want to go into the land of the elves because I'm a dwarf. I'm just going to go over here and pout. You know what? Fine. You do that and go find another group to play with because that's weak. <laughs> to, to bring this back to druids though i think that the easy way of looking at that is that when you have the loner druid or you have the eco-terrorist or whatever it is the player has to recognize that there's a greater threat and that if they're going to when they deal within the confines of a group or a fellowship they may have to hold their nose to do it but by god they're going to hold their nose while they're doing it because there's the it's the ends just end up justifying the means right yeah right yeah i i would think that uh, as a as a kind of alt take here um, on on the idea of working a druid in, I think there's enough variety, and I don't know that I see it happening very often um, in in campaigns. I don't see it talked about a lot online. I'd love to see an adventure or a campaign ran by a lot of different people that's just a wilderness themed campaign where we mm-hmm. don't. We're like, I, I'm thinking uh, Sunless Citadel kind of sort of skirts into that, right? As like mm-hmm. an intro that a lot, some of the intros, you know, halfway go there, right? But if you think about other things like um, uh, even something like uh, uh, Storm King's Thunder, the bullet points are places, cities, towns, right. right? Temples, towers. Um, 
I would love to see one where you could have a druid feel like they're in their element the whole time and the ranger mm-hmm. and the the nature cleric and the uh, order of ancients paladin and the barbarian right like i think that could be fun to have a well uh you got um tales of the old marguerite from cobalt press that is all yes. about the marguerite yes. forest or yes uh, ruins of the grendel root from sly flourish those are settings that are perfect if you want to dive in and be that nature-y kind of campaign or on the flip side kind of what we just talked about with how Gimli, you know, no dwarf would go in here, but I'm going to because damn it, I have to. Yeah, exactly. And and that's, the you know, it's like as a druid, you know, all the other druids in my circle would laugh me out of the circle if, if they knew that I was going into Waterdeep, but you know what? In order for me to save the wilderness, I have to go in here, and I have to do stuff. Mm-hmm. I might not like it, but I'm going to do it. And then, what happened when when Gimli went into Lothlorien? He met Galadriel mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. was overtaken by her beauty. Yeah, yeah. And that's you know, like what Mitch and, and we have said already. Yeah, his backstory says he wouldn't go in there, and he would never even think that a dwarf or an elf was was beautiful. But he went in there, and now something has changed. Mm-hmm. So, so, well, and, and if you with druids, right? There's there's a beginning, middle, and end to a character. Other, if you don't have change along the way, you, you've never developed any character growth. You played the exact same character from levels one through twenty, or whatever it is that you end up with. So forcing a Druid into unnatural or uh, into like urban settings and things like that within cities, I think it's important for them to do it. If for no other reason, then it's, it gives them interesting role-playing opportunities and uh, areas for character growth that could possibly come up as a part of the overall narrative. Because the narrative is not about you. The narrative is about your group and how you are engaging with the yeah. global or the local conflict. And how you're furthering the entire story. Uh, yeah. Before anybody else says anything, Gabriel, good RP is RP that changes the PC and the player because our PCs are extensions of ourselves. By a character showing change, it means you allowed them to change, showing you have changed in the process too. That, my friend, is some wisdom. <laughs> that's that's pretty deep for uh, Geeks Kit, I'll tell you that. That's right, man. Right on. There you go. Oh, so so I think, uh, if you'll permit me, fellas, we're approaching the hour mark here. Um, I have one last little thing that I'm going to mm-hmm. throw at you as a surprise. Um, so this has all been... Uh, I was going to say hypothetical, but we've actually given some practical advice for playing odd twists on Druid. But here's what I'm going to ask you to do here at the end. Off the top of your hat, um, give me a level one Druid build that just by the Druid class plus either race or background feels different. Right? Does that make sense? Right? So... I'm playing a druid, but I'm going to add this race or this background to it that makes it feel like it's taking an interesting pitch, right? Um, Gotcha. So I'll throw mine out uh, just because I had a longer time. That gives you some moments. I like the idea of a feral tiefling druid. 
Oh, ooh. Okay. Mm. Um, I think the idea that it's feral can then be really played up there. Ron. That's interesting. Okay. Um, okay, I'll go. I'm actually going to steal one. I'm going to steal one from my buddy Brian from back in the day. I think I've told this story before about, to, to me, I had very a lockstep idea of what dwarves were and the way the dwarves were to behave and look and their lore and their culture. And so when Brian came to me and said, hey, I'm really, I'm really excited to play this game. I've got a dwarven druid that's going to be awesome. I, I pinched my nose and just acted like a complete horse's ass when he told <laughs> he said, I'm like, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard, man. Dwarves are not druids. I don't know stinky, hippie, hey, tree-hugging, patchouli-smelling dwarf is going to be sitting at my table, sir. But he played the hell out of that character. And what he ended up doing is it wasn't about animals necessarily. It was about the mountain. It was about the stone. It was about the yeah. earth. It was about the bones of the earth. He goes, everything else is like um, – what is it? Uh, whatever in Conan, when Conan was talking about why Crom was so much yep. more awesome and like, or yeah, why the four yeah, winds yeah. were so much awesome. Right. And they're kind of like comparing things. He's like, no, 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 you don't understand. All of your nature rests on top of my God's bones. And so if it weren't mm-hmm. for my God, the God, the, the mountain, the, the earth, the stone, and that's what he tapped into. So it was like this very raw primal, deep, ancient, uh, yeah. uh, Lord, which is like, Blew me away. From that point forward, I never questioned anything that Brian came to me with. Like the silliest, zaniest, dumbest crap that he would throw at me every time. I was like, let's do this. And it was awesome every single time. So stealing that one from Brian. Well, that's funny because apparently I was stealing it from Brian as well. I (laughs) I was thinking now to go full circle here is it would be Dwarven, Druid, either either Circle of the Shepherd Mm. or Circle of the Land. With a background, soldier. Okay. And and like what you said, he he is he is a true defender of the mountain of the earth. Mm. You know, it, it's what he he taps into it. He is yeah. there to take yeah. the fight to those that oppose nature. He doesn't hate cities. He he walks around the dwarven city like, you know, yeah, I'm here. Why? Because I'm ensconced in stone. This is my element. This is my nature. And the aberrations or the demons and devils and things like that that that, that, mm-hmm. that come out, those are the are the the affronts to nature that I am against. Can I we're, since we're, we're all stealing from Brian, let me steal from you from Brian vicariously. I'm going to steal that for just a second and say, I like, I like what you're getting at with when you said soldier background and he went from soldier to something that's very like nature based. I thought of the old adage that there will come a day when we work towards forging a plowshare from a sword. Mm-hmm. Like the soldier that is tired and weary and that has like that's why he doesn't it doesn't do metal anymore metal armor like he there he may have been a, a like a soldier that, that fought in an army and used the sword at one point but he's put all those things down and all of his implements are like farm implements and natural implements and he's like Zach stealing a little bit from Zach too that whole pacifist thing where it's like that tapping into a little bit of pacifism in there too or the um, only reaching for the gun or the sword when 
absolutely pushed to the limits, like Unforgiven or something like the old Clint Eastwood, you know, like pushed too far. The druid that's pushed, pushed too far. I like that whole the plowshare from a sword angle on a druid also. It's like just really tired. I'm just mm-hmm. tired. And I just came out here to be by myself. And now I'm drawn back into all this once more. Not not that I think that this this character is this, but very much like a John Wick. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm done. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. I'm out. But mm-hmm. yeah, not not only not only do you do you have that aspect of it, but you could also even look at it like a martial artist. Mm-hmm. You know, where it's not necessarily pacifist, but I'm I'm not going to attack you. I'm not going to let you attack me either. But oh. you come at me, and I will redirect you. Because, like, you know, Bruce Lee. Yeah, judo. Be, be the water. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of like that whole, you're using nature to, you know, to, you know I'm going to take the wind and, and buffet your arrows away. I'm going to take the stone and, and erect a wall so that you can't attack my mm-hmm. friends, you know, things like that. Different mm-hmm. ways, different aspects, different. Just think outside of the box. The druid, the druid can easily fall into the trap of this is what my character can should do, and also has a lot of ability to look at slightly askance and come up with some really, really cool and interesting ideas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's I've I've played that. Uh the the uh, pacifist monk before that doesn't necessarily fight it's all submission it's like jujitsu and judo where they're using the momentum of their enemies they're it's a lot of like submission holds and ground fighting as opposed to so you could do that with the, the with the druid also if you went the same angle of that like the pacifist well that's another conversation all in and of itself that you could be a pacifist and still resist Right, mm-hmm. like you have passive resistance without actually trying to do any harm to a creature as a part of your your character character arc. Aikido, yeah. yep, same. Well, fellas, great discussion as always. I think we're gonna wrap it up for this evening. Uh, good discussion on Druid. I don't know which one we're gonna cover next, uh, but if you have a preference, dear listener. Uh, you can let us know in our Discord server. Um, we've got a few left, and keep an eye out. Or also, if you've missed some of these episodes, if you're uh, if you've came on in the last year or so, you've probably missed a few of our class discussions. Uh, they are going to be going up live on YouTube, or not live, but they're going to be available on YouTube um, in the coming weeks, and so you can uh, give them a good new listen there. Um, but yeah, let us know. We're going to cover them all, but, but it may take us a while. So if you've got a favorite you want us to chat about, um, I'm going to be pushing hard for wizard. Just warning you fellas. Um, (laughs) but, uh, I can be, I can be talked down. Gabriel wants us to do the grognard. Grognard. (laughs) I'll tell you right now, that is not a class. That's a lifestyle, baby. (laughs) (laughs) You don't have to twist my arm. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thank you to Chat for being lively tonight. Uh, really appreciate Sir Isaac, who popped in at the beginning with Craig. Um, obviously, Mitch and Crane Wrights um, and Girk. Uh, you guys are all awesome. 
And then we've got uh, those that are lurking as well, like OX and Academy Impossible, Alien Gathering, Casino Things, uh, Syndica, Lurks, Manny Farts, Midsoon, <laughs> and anyone if, else I may have missed. If, oh, if, if, if Manny Farts comes back to, the, to watch another show, they have to say something. Yeah. I, I, that's... <laughs> It's, that's a that's a must. That's a must. Got to got to watch out for the silent ones. That's, that's right. right. You don't want to, you don't want Manny farts to be silent. Exactly. Uh, all right. Well, <laughs> hey, and uh, thanks to John and Troy for hanging out yet again. And until next week, we'll see you next time. Uh, play great games in the woods. Yep. Stay safe. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. If you like this episode and you want to continue the conversation with us, go ahead and head on over to our Discord. There's a link in the show notes, and you can always shoot us a message on Facebook to get a link there as well. Uh, While you're at it, if you wouldn't mind, give us a like on Facebook, give us a subscription over here on your podcast feed, Uh, give us a review and some stars while you're at it. That would be awesome. That's the way we get in front of more people. And if you want to watch a live show, we're live almost every Sunday and Tuesday on Twitch and YouTube, and you can find links to all of that right there in the Discord. We'll see you next time. We have to. <laughs> that people will love it. It will be absolutely. I know they'll eat it up. I just don't know if I have it in there. People will love it has been the beginning of many regrets. <laughs> <laughs> but but okay, here here's here's my pitch. Here's my pitch. How about this? If you can convince Zach to do it, I'll do it. How about that? And I'll put it all on Zach's shoulders. Um, and then Zach says, "Yeah, sure." (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, why not? No. Uh, Yeah, why not? What the hell?